season three everyone i'm excited for you to be a part of our conversations on legacy leadership life and love starting up it's nmi paul the national green party candidate of canada thanks guys and i hope you enjoy Welcome to Stories of Life and Love, the show where we get a snapshot into the personal experiences and wisdom of each of my incredible art clients. And I'm your host, Evelisa. I have the privilege of working with individuals and couples to listen to their hopes, dreams, visions, feelings, and philosophy. I take all of that information and I reflect it in a portrait or a dreamscape. And I've learned there's so much we can learn from listening to the insight of others. I believe your life is a complex and beautiful journey and is meant to be celebrated. And I'm excited to share with everyone each of your stories behind my paintings of life and love. Hello. Hi, Anami. How are you? I'm very well. It looks just so lovely behind you. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought it would make the setting inspiring. <laughs> oh, it looks beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little different than, you know, a typical office vibe, right? Absolutely. How's your day? Put, uh, the nice plants there. That was a gift from my sister not too long ago. So. Love it. Yeah. Are you good with Are you good with plants? Like taking care of plants? No, no. Oh my god! But I, I feel like I'm getting better. I don't I don't think that I'm doing anything differently. But I seem to be able to keep them alive longer. I don't good. know. I again, I don't I don't feel like I've done anything. I've made yeah. any improvements, but somehow they seem willing to stick with me a little longer. That's good. That's good. Once in a while, I would um, actually clean like I would clean the plant leaves especially leaves like that yeah sometimes they can get you know a little bit dusty and I find me I think they like that I know it sounds a little bit funny but I think they like that think of like animals in nature they might brush up against plants so anyway just and it probably also helps with um photosynthesis you know if uh if the leaves aren't uh dusty but I'm gonna try this one it seems actually like it's thriving to be honest I don't know it looks yeah. good well it looks great yeah so my name is Evelisa in case you didn't know how to pronounce it Evelisa I'm so happy that you agreed to come on I really appreciate yeah. that um so I respect that it's uh we have until 4 45 so it shouldn't be too too long okay and um as I said in the email this is really meant to get more of a sense of who you are and our audience is like creative entrepreneurs, the Harvard Alumni Network, 
so yeah, we'll just get started. Well, you know what, one thing I'm just realizing, um, because my sister is also a creative and uh, she's the one that gave me the plant so there'd be something nice to look at. And uh, she also made sure that the team ordered me a lamp. So I'm just gonna turn that on, okay? Yeah, do that. Also, right, right back. You, could, okay. you could probably speak about your sister after. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. All perfect. So good. <laughs> so, you know, I just want you to know I have so much respect and feel so kindred towards at least, you know, your public story and identity. And I'm really excited to delve a little deeper. Anami, Anami? Anami, you had it right, Anami, yes. So with the first thing, just to, you know, you come from a very dynamic, very worldly background from an immigrant family, being a mother, entrepreneur, lawyer, <laughs> master's from Princeton, public policy and, you know, international affairs. And now focusing on politics within the Green Party. And just, you know, like I, I personally have a background in education policy. I worked internationally, went to Harvard, myself went to work in public policy, supporting ministers and, and in Indigenous affairs and relations, actually. So Amazing. You, you seem to really embody intersectionality, you know, that idea of there's no single story. And so for, I was thinking for our audience of entrepreneurs, leaders, and creatives, tell us a little bit about who Enemy is now and how did you come this far? You know, principles that guided your decisions. And you can speak a little bit to your cultural background and upbringing, but just that mm -hmm. overview. Yes, I, I think I have to speak to my upbringing definitely to answer that question. Um, because my mother and my grandmother were such big influences. They, my, my mother is still alive. My grandmother passed away a few years ago, uh, but really, really big influences. They were both what everyone knows now. They call frontline workers at the time. That wasn't, you know, a term that was used, but my mother was um, an elementary school teacher and my grandmother was a nurse in the hospitals here in Toronto. And they came from a tiny, I mean, a tiny island of about 9,000 people called Nevis. Okay. And so, you know, when you grow up in an environment like that, it's all about taking care of the people around you, about the community, about having to depend on each other. And so that's something that I was really raised to, to believe and uh, I saw reflected in them and their behavior. And so, I mean, I don't, I can't even pinpoint where it began. I really just always felt a calling to work with others towards positive social change. And it definitely began with, uh, with them. I'm really, really grateful to them for that. Beautiful. Yeah. Was it a sense of it's going to be difficult or was it more persist and you will achieve? Like what, what was more the oh. mindset? <laughs> Okay. Both, you know, that's so, that's so interesting that you asked that. It really both. My, my mother and my grandmother, when they came here, they already had been very accomplished. My grandmother was the primary midwife and nurse on the island. And my mother was um, already teaching high school. You know, she had skipped a bunch of grades and she was teaching high school. Uh, when they came here, they had to start completely from scratch. Uh, none of their uh, certifications were recognized. That's still a very common story, by the way. Uh, and so my mother and my mother and grandmother actually had to work as live-in housekeepers 
for several years in order to get permission to stay. And then they had to start all over again, going to school again, um, getting the, get my mother got her, um, her bachelor's again and her teaching certificate. And, and so, uh, you know, they made it clear that sometimes things are hard. Sometimes they're, they're um, not fair because it really wasn't fair. They had to start all over. Uh, but definitely, uh, if, you per, you know, if you persevere, mm -hmm. uh, you, can, you can get a lot done and you can really, there's a lot of resourcefulness uh, inside um, women and particularly black women, which is quite extraordinary. My mother actually went back to school when she, she had four of us, uh, all of us under the age of 12. Uh, well, we were under the age of 12, not yeah, my no. mother. <laughs> um, she actually didn't have any of us until her mid thirties. And uh, mm -hmm. so she had four children under, that were all under the age of 12 and she was teaching full time and she went back to school to get her master's degree. So, wow. I mean, I, I learned very early that anything is possible pretty much. I love that. And I think it's yeah. it's so wonderful to see women who are challenging what might be the expected path they might take, you know, like even having children, you know, needing to be a certain, at a certain age, exactly. Exactly. Um, and even education, like that commitment to continuous learning throughout her life. That's mm -hmm. a, that's a really great example. And for you guys to be around 12 or at least under 12, you know, that really imprints into your mind at that subconscious level. It wasn't even that subconscious. I mean, she would take us oh, yeah. to times when there was no one to babysit. No way. Uh, and so when you fall asleep at, um, I guess in my case, I was probably around 10 or 11. It, she did it over a number of years. But when you fall asleep on the desk in a classroom, <laughs> you know, at a very young age, because your mother's brought you to class, um, um, you definitely remember it. That definitely gets stirred into your memory banks. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. you know, with your, with your impressive kind of cross section of, you know, the story, that family story, and then the professional experiences, you kind of seem to be like, that must bring you a sense of pragmatism, you know, being a sensible pragmatist, but then there's this through line of trying to make this world a better place. You know, there's that a bit of that idealism. And, you know, with your wisdom, you know, the considerate nature you seem to have, and those experiences, why was entering politics the right path? And maybe even why the Green Party with that in mind? Yeah, well, you know, I really like the way that you put that. It's, it's, it is, a, I guess it is that mix that you were talking about. You have to recognize that there are things that need to be done. And uh, sometimes they feel huge, they feel insurmountable. But you, what, you know, I say to myself a lot, what other option do we have? You know, we're facing so many really, really big challenges, unprecedented challenges, whether it's a climate emergency or the pandemic um, or the changing nature of work. You know, there are many, many challenges we're facing and they really can seem like they're unsolvable. But I really think the best we can do is try, is try to do that. And, and I always try to remember all of the examples of those, you know, what seem to be insurmountable challenges that we've been able to face as humans. And so one avenue, it's definitely not the only one, is politics. And I really believe that people who come from non-political backgrounds and non-traditional backgrounds, that we need more and more of them uh, to get involved in politics. It's uh, when, you, when, you, 
when you think about how much creativity and innovation, the solutions uh, that we need are going to require, that's just going to come from all different walks of life. And we actually know that diversity of perspectives uh, creates better public policies. Yeah. So for me, coming to the Green Party, that was part of it. I really felt that at this moment of all the different things that I could be doing, I felt most called uh, to do this. Uh, I think that my combination of life experiences and, uh, and uh, professional experiences um, have have some role to play in in the role in the life of the party at this time, and also uh, dealing with these issues that we're facing. So, and I'm hoping a lot of other people like you, you know, really, you have such an extraordinary background yourself. I'm really hoping that there are more and more people that do see a place for themselves in politics and. Uh, want to contribute because there, there is really a, a role that 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 um, that politics plays in in changing things that is is uh, important. It's not the only venue that right. change happens in, but it's definitely an important one. Is it because of uh, this is sort of off the on the script? But do you think it's it's because there's always a need to set um, you know there's the the private sector and the private world, which is the sphere of economies and all that but the public commons and faith in the public interest needs to stay strong and solid and set good priorities like would you say that's kind of it well there, there's no question you know there are some some and more and more you know the, the decisions are going to have to be taken collectively yeah. uh, and there are some projects that are so big that they really do require the entire country yes. um, or the various levels of government. You know, there's no one corporation, even the very largest, that can do certain things. There is no large corporation in Canada that could have mobilized uh, 300 uh, to 400 billion dollars uh, to get us out of this pandemic and to prevent the very worst impacts of the pandemic. And so I, I believe more than ever that people in Canada see exactly why government is needed, the completely uh, essential and unique role that the government plays. And it's exactly because of that, that we really need to have uh, the, the, the best talent uh, there. And the best talent comes from everywhere. Uh, and so this is why we need to make sure that our systems are increasingly open and inclusive, because we just can't afford to miss out on any of those really, really good ideas, wherever they come from. Absolutely. No, I yeah. really appreciate you saying that. And maybe thinking about in terms of your journey to that, you know, to these perspectives that you have, what was a critical turning point for you? Like, maybe there was a moment where you were faced with a fork in the road or a difficult decision. It could even be personally. And, you know, what happened and what did you learn? Goodness knows I've been in forks in the road. <laughs> to make I'm it sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, uh, like even before this part of your life, like, you know, you, you're kind of coming with this, this worldliness, but maybe before, as you were developing into who you are now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there've been a lot of, maybe just quickly, I'll tell you about, uh, um, I, the, I would say that I, I've confronted a lot of those, you know, I was, I went to law school, um, relatively young and it would have been very easy uh, to take the fork in the road that had been offered to me towards a career in commercial law. It would have been a very comfortable life. Uh, and but I chose to go back to school. Yeah. Um, and then after finishing school, I was offered another really great um, position in Manhattan, really well paid and prestigious. 
but I really felt compelled uh, to come back to Canada and to found the institute that I did, which focused on the issue of political underrepresentation amongst marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. So that was another one. Each time my mother. Tell me, the pragmatic woman that she is. (laughs) Took her head. Even though, you know, as I said, it was my mother's example that led me in these directions. Yes. Shaking her head. And each time it seemed very, um, very illogical and also improbable. Um, I did not have any source of funding when I came back to Canada and and, to found this institute. I was coming back with my son, who was actually born while I was a graduate student in the States. Oh, wow, yes. Um, Yeah, and my partner actually had to stay behind because he was working for a human rights organization in New York City. And so we had to split up as a family for a little while, and he was traveling back and forth every weekend uh, to see us so that I could fulfill this dream because I really wow. saw this gap in Canada. I really saw the loss of, 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 of intellect and potential because so many people were being shut out of the political system. And I really just wanted to do something about it. And so that was definitely a big fork in the road. And wow. um, you know, I'm, I ne- have never regretted it uh, for, for a moment. I think that they happen all the time. And my feeling is that a lot of people are having those moments right now during the pandemic. You know, they, they have maybe left a jo- uh, lost a job or been furloughed for, from a job. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps they're spending more time with their families now and they're actually enjoying that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are in precarious work, I'm sure they're thinking about how are we going, how am I going to not end up in this situation again? Um, and, you know, in the case of my family and other families, we've lost people uh, during the pandemic. Um, and we're realizing that it was unnecessary. And how are we going to create a better system so that pe- more people can live in, in dignity? How are we going to change our behavior? The, I think this is a real fork in the mo- road moment for a lot of people. Absolutely. A lot of people feel that way. And so- You too? It's, yes, definitely. This has been a really, well, first of all, what I really appreciate from your story is your unshakable faith in a certain vision. Mm-hmm. And even when there might be a little bit of, doubt from the people that you love the most i guess in this case more your mom but first of all people were conspiring to support that dream which is very special and um you know sometimes it's not lot sometimes logic is too can be too short term when you have bigger vision it might defy logic itself because it's longer term thinking longer term planning so that's right um, and if you have the name you can share the name and we'll put it in the show notes of that organization is it still well, that organization, I, I ran that for five years and I was really, I founded it and ran it for five years. And I was really fortunate to get a, a fellowship for an American foundation, actually. Oh, nice. The organ- yeah, it's a, well, it's, it's, a glo- it's based in the States, but it's a, a global foundation. Uh, it's called the Echoing Green Foundation and they run a fellowship, an, an international fellowship. Um, but I actually uh, ended that in 2005 and moved to Europe uh, with my family. And then I focused very much on international relations um, and my partner on international human rights law. So it was a big pivot. And that was another fork in the road. We had this, these incredible op- offers uh, to go and work in Europe on um, issues that were not domestic, but really international and to take our very young children with us. And we decided once again, that we were going to um, make uh, make the shift. And so we spent about 13 years in Europe, um, in my case, mostly working on issues related to human rights and conflict uh, prevention. And uh, it was it was the adventure of a lifetime, it really was. 
especially to do that with a partner. I think that's um, that that's very special, even without knowing the full story. But yeah, have someone there who's aligned in that vision uh, and yeah. bringing your children to that. I, I mean, that's that's a whole other conversation. I would love. I know, to I know, but it was it was lovely, and you know, I've been with my partner for about 28 years now we met in law school so a really long time and our young our older son just celebrated his 20th birthday and it has it's been a really wonderful family adventure we're very very lucky we're, we say it all the time uh it's it's wonderful to be able to share your your life with um you know with many people with people that you care about and to have a partner to go through life with i feel very 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 blessed it's a beautiful thing and much deserved yeah. um so you may have answered it, but in this whole process, you know, who is someone that really believed in you, maybe even before you did yourself? Yeah. Like, who saw that spark within you early on? Well, you know, again, coming back to my mother, she's not the person that I'm going to mention, but I will say that uh, I will say that I had a very healthy self-confidence from the very beginning because of her. I think that when you're lucky enough to have the example of someone who is just incredible. She's a very modest uh, person. You know, you could you could know your, my mother most of your life and not even know about some of these accomplishments. Wow. Uh, but having that example really instilled a very healthy self-confidence uh, from the beginning. But I've been lucky throughout my life to have people that saw something in me and, and chose to encourage me uh, and have been there for most of uh, my journey. Uh, and th those are the people that that uh that you know i think about at this moment um you know there i think it's more maybe instead of saying one person i would say that if you're very lucky to have a person who really understands you say the right thing at the right time when you're thinking about those forks in the road that you mentioned That's that it can make all of the difference in the world and and i can think of a lot of people a handful at least of people yeah. who have uh, served that role in my life and i'm, I'm really really grateful uh, to them uh, for that so yeah mentorship and just sometimes it's not even mentorship sometimes it's just someone who says like you said the right thing at the right time and it could That's even right. just be a passing moment but That's it's right. just, it's you know they see something within you and it, it yeah. is special so yeah. no that's wonderful. Yeah. or they as you said they make you feel special there's there's something yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and that definitely definitely has happened. It's 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 something I actually try to to uh, pay forward. Uh, you know, I, I try to mentor young people as much as I can. I try to uh, you know blow and 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 fuel that uh, that spark within them. Uh, and I cannot under I mean I'm sure you agree, but you cannot underestimate how important that is. There are so many um, people of of any age that. You know they where they haven't had that encouragement and and so they haven't they haven't reached their full potential and so whenever i have the chance to do it i i always always do i'm always trying to mentor at least three or four different young people um, particularly at these moments uh, in their lives when they're trying to figure out what comes next yeah uh, and so and there's a lot of pressure on young people these days you know they, they have to think more and more about how am i going to earn a living um just very concrete things and i try to encourage them to be true to themselves. And as you said, you may not be able to see the entire journey. It may seem counterintuitive, but if you go with your instincts about what you care about and what your passions are, that it can often lead you where you need to be. Absolutely. And, you know, have that right, you know, you strategic 
thinking enough of that anyway, you know, even yeah. for me, I, I am also a painter, but mm -hmm. I lead with the entrepreneurial mindset. And it's, mm -hmm. it's wonderful that we sort of live in an era where when you are so confident about your value add, if I'm going to use the business language, right? The value mm -hmm. add, you know, and you just use that entrepreneurial strategy. You, anything is really possible or things, more things are possible yep. for young yep. people. So, no, that's a special. Yep. But you're right. But that, you know, and I would say that that's a message that we have to make sure that we spread and that we, we, we encourage people to, to check, to, to, to connect with the, the positive examples, because you're absolutely right. This is, this is a time in many ways. Uh, it's a, it can be, it's a scary time because it feels less stable, but it also is a time of really limitless possibilities as well. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways to work and to combine various um, you know, facets of your personality to create a career for yourselves in a way that wasn't available before. Mm -hmm. um, but that takes courage, you know, right. and I'm someone like you who has done so many things, it feels very natural. But there are many people, I, I still very many people that need that encouragement to feel like they can take that, um, that extra step. So as long as we look for the examples, I think it yes. makes it more real, right? Instead of just uh, a fantasy that might be hard to grasp. That's right. Um, so if we could shift a little bit to maybe another side of Anna, me beyond the public self, and if you could speak a little bit to your self-care and actually in particular, if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about your personal spiritual journey and your transformation to Judaism. And I have a particular interest too, because I do, um, one of my mentors is a rabbi as well. So I speak oh. to him yes, weekly and I'm just exploring that type of learning process so i would love to hear a little bit more about that if you're comfortable with it absolutely you know it's it's uh it's been a part of my life for such a long time i i was exposed to judaism relatively early i live i i was born and i grew up in toronto yes. uh, and spent much of my childhood in a uh, a neighborhood with a, a very high um proportion of uh, jewish families and my junior high in particular had a lot of Jewish uh, children in it. And so it was a religion that I was exposed to early. And then my partner is Jewish. Uh, his family, it, they're, they're Dutch Jews on one side and Eastern European Jews on the other side. Uh, and we, it became very clear very, very early after we um, got together that it was going to be a permanent um, relationship. And uh, for me, it was a religion that had always really spoken to me, the values um, particularly around humanism, um, you know, the, the, just really the, the, the care for other people uh, and, and, uh, and, and having a, commu a communal view of the world really spoke to me. And so, you know, we knew that we wanted to have a Jewish uh, family. We knew we wanted to live a Jewish life. And so it was a very, very natural progression. And I was very fortunate, like you, it sounds like, to have a rabbi while I was a student at Princeton uh, who actually, it turned out he was Canadian. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, He was the director of the, the Hillel on campus, and he was a wonderful spiritual guide. We spent a year working together, uh, and then I did all of the, you know, I had to learn to read uh, Hebrew, and I had uh, my mikvah and the bet din, and it was a really wonderful journey with him. And so I've been, I've been Jewish and, and leading a Jewish, I've been a Jewish person uh, for over 20 years, and I've been leading a Jewish life um, for much longer, for as long as I've been with my partner. And it's, it's incredibly fulfilling. Uh, it's been wonderful raising two Jewish sons and seeing them have their bar mitzvahs. 
Um, and so, yes, my mother and my family always wanted me to have a spiritual life. And so for them as well, it's been, it's been really a fulfilling um, family journey for all of us uh, to have Judaism as, as an aspect of our, of our life as a family. I love that. That's so yeah. wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, and maybe lastly, just to think about, you know, all the spaces you've been in, you know, in these personal ways, professionally, spiritually, uh, where did you see art just to circle back to artists and like the creative side of this uh, conversation where did you kind of see art play a role in the lives of people that you've worked with maybe the spaces you've been in um and maybe even the role creativity and the arts have played in your own personal life i know you mentioned your sisters are creative but sort of globally and out there and maybe in that more for the for humanity type thing or with the people you've interacted with and then at that more personal level you could speak to that yeah well i i hope that people realize how much we owe to creatives uh, just in terms of uh change positive change uh I, and i'm thinking about that more and more these days because i've been saying for a while now to anyone pretty much who will listen that i believe that a lot of what comes next in terms of the the transformation and evolution that we need in this country and around the world is going to be led by creatives. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, a lot of the policy work has been done. The policy work, the research, all of that exists. Yeah. Um, what we need now uh, to, when we're talking about such big change, are people who can communicate that effectively to people, who can really, uh, you know, light up and energize people and get them really mobilized around that change. And throughout human history, that has really been the artists, you know, that has been the creatives. And they've done that through film and theater and dance and, and um, fiction and poetry. Uh, and so I believe that this is the moment of glory, to be honest, for, for, uh, for creatives. And so in terms of our campaign, for instance, we're always um, seeking out relationships and seeking to amplify those voices because I believe really that that is the, the next really necessary phase. And I've been very lucky, my sister, who is a very accomplished um, um, actor and producer, and she's done a lot of theater, and uh, she has a wonderful network of creatives. She's been very generous with them, and they have been very responsive. They usually ask me the best questions. There uh, <laughs> you go. They ask fantastic, really thoughtful questions. Uh, and so, yes, I, I, I want them to be right at the heart of our campaign. I think they're going to be right at the heart of our transformation towards a more sustainable, um, just society. And uh, I, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see them step up into those leadership roles and to see themselves as leading this transformation because it's really where they belong. That's so wonderful and empowering to hear. And I love that. I mean, part of my vision, you know, even for this podcast too, is to um, shift and disrupt the narrative of like a starving artist, which mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, some creative people or kids can might, might internalize at a young age and have this more abundant mindset and responsibility that mm -hmm. there's an important role for, you know, we have to be producers, not just consumers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I, I, as a painter, so, you know, I'm, I'm very visual and it's always about vision, not only our personal vision, mission, but envisioning the world that we want to see in. So it's yeah, all right. kind of very connected. 
Um, mm. And then for me, painting is a spiritual part too. So where the cerebral part of who I was could not be, um, you know, would be expressed more in policy and diplomacy, all that stuff. There's that spiritual experience of life itself, which still needs to be honored too. So it was through the art, but um, Absolutely. I love that you see that role. Oh, for creative. sure. Anyone who's, who's, who's um, even just dabbled in history will see that. There are many of our most uh, important uh, political leaders yeah. Uh, around the world, really, it's not—it's not at all a Western thing. They had Good. yes, I'm of, glad you said that. Yes, incredible, incredible artistic talent, uh, and and I, you know, artists can use both sides of their brains much more effectively than the rest of us. And so, no, I, I am, I'm always in awe um, of what uh, what creative people can do. And this is the moment, more than anything, that I would say. Whatever your talents are, there is no question that there is a way that you can use them uh, to to contribute to this positive change that we absolutely need. You know, we there's certain things that have just got to change in the next five to ten years um, if we really want uh, a life of dignity for for people in this country and abroad. And and we won't we won't be able to get there without uh, without the the energy of of creative people. So. I appreciate that so much, Anima. Like that, this is so wonderful, amazing message to so many people. Mm -hmm. And just as a side note too, and I can yeah. keep you informed, but um, I'm I'm creating an actually, well, I'm curating a very special project with the Canadian Embassy in LA, and oh. it is actually called Transform, and oh it's bringing together creatives that are from the indigenous communities local to LA and BC, as well as non-indigenous, okay. and it's meant to be creatives visual artists and being specific okay visual artists yeah. modeling respectful relationships mm -hmm. the communication that you just said you know like there's all these policy priorities canada exists in a post truth of reconciliation era mm -hmm. so the recommendations are there all the things are there but what does it actually look like what does positive relationships look like what does non-appropriation look like and mm -hmm. living nation to nation so we're having that next June, June 2021. So I will keep you posted on that too. And uh, yeah, everything you said was just affirming. So when, what were the dates again? So it's going to be, well, it was supposed to be June 18, 2020, but now we're postponing it. So it'll be June 2021. Yeah. Specific date to be determined. But uh, it's, a, so it's a beautiful cross-section of people and representatives uh, at the Canadian uh, consulate there in Los Angeles. That, that is really, really exciting. Um, and it's so interesting you said that. I just spoke with uh, a senior advisor to one of the main uh, First Nations uh, civil society groups just yesterday. And he was saying exactly what you just said, which is that we've talked, we've talked, there, you know, we have the recommendations, we have, you know, there's so many, that work is being done. And now it's about exactly that, what comes next. It's all about what comes next. And so it's, it's really encouraging to know that uh, others see that too, and uh, I'm, that's a that's the phase that is it's it's urgent, and it's also one that I think is the most exciting, particularly as you said, the nation to nation conversations. Yeah, exactly. Like today is Nunavut Day, by the way. It uh, is. I know. It is. Yeah. Happy yeah. Nunavut Day. Happy, Happy Nunavut, Nunavut Day. Day. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just uh, quickly on that too, just to close up that uh, statement. In in addition, I think. I think non-Indigenous partners and treaty partners, or if you're in a non-treaty area, also need models of 
you know, beyond just like the bleeding heart, you know, beyond just like, oh, I feel so bad. What do yes, I do? I think yes. a lot of people might feel a little bit confused about what's the appropriate role, right. appropriate allyship. It's not just, yeah. you know, feeling good, let me support, but what is the appropriate place and That's where, right. you know, and the self supporting the self-determination. So, mm -hmm. um, hopefully That's right. Exactly. That. Yep. Yep. You've got, you absolutely have got it. You replicate the, the, without using such harsh terms, but you know, like the colonial behavior. You don't want to do yeah. that. You gotta listen. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I absolutely agree with that. And, um, you know, more than anything, I think that the biggest part of the solution is just making space for as many indigenous leaders as possible, because that is the, the other thing that we have. We, we have people that are ready to lead, that are experienced, and, and then you don't have to guess. Because if you have indigenous peoples that are leading uh, the process, then they they can you know they can tell us. Um, and so we don't uh, indigenous peoples has been a long time since they needed anyone to speak on their behalf. Um, and so, but you're absolutely right. It's it's uh, these are the big questions. Uh, I don't think that we should spend too much time thinking about them anymore. It's time to do. This exactly. is really the time of action. And I'm really inspired by all of the. Um, all of the indigenous peoples that have gotten involved with our campaign and also just more generally who have said really explicitly over the last um, the last year or so since the last election, we are ready to lead and uh, that is what we are asking for. And I wanna do all that I can to support that message. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. It was such a pleasure getting to know you, speaking to you and you know, you're such a model woman <laughs> you're such a model human being and uh it, it's just been really wonderful and i look forward to circling back with you and um yeah this will be part of season three which will launch in actually september okay I'm informed of that and uh yeah thank you so much oh you're very welcome and uh, it was a real pleasure and congratulations on this on the exhibit on everything else it's fantastic be in touch anytime and I'm going to look forward to seeing who else you uh, you interview over the next uh, little while. Yeah, I will keep you posted. Wonderful. Okay, All right. Have a wonderful day and weekend. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.